0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Equipcast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. And I've got a really cool apostolate to introduce you to today. It's called Maturphilius. And I joke about it later in the, the conversation. I sit down with Julie Manelli and Stacey Flourish, and we talk about Materfilius. It is a home for pregnant women and their children. And honestly, it's an entire village maybe even city coming around uh, these young women in need. It is a beautiful, beautiful example of the power of prayer, the power of teamwork, and the power of presence. You're going to love the story. They tell a little bit about the work of Montefilius. They tell the story of Haley and some of the other women that have come through the program. I think you're going to find this to be fantastic inspiration. So take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha, designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Julie, Stacy, welcome to the EquipCast. How you doing, ladies?
1: We're doing well. We're doing well, Jim. Thank you, and thanks for having us here today.
0: Oh, I am. I'm super excited to, to have, this, have this conversation. We were, you know, before we hit, hit record, we were talking just very providentially. Uh, my wife and daughter were taking a tour of Matrophilius just yesterday. I did not arrange the, the timing. Someone did, but really, really grateful for the, for the chance to dive into the conversation today. Before we do kind of have like a little, you know, tradition here, we love to give people an opportunity just to share a short little bit about their faith journey. So I'll give each each of you a chance. Just share a little bit about your, your faith story. When did you guys first encounter Jesus? I'll start
1: just to get it, because Julie will be really good. She's very eloquent. <laughs> so uh, I grew up in Omaha with my parents, uh, five siblings. We went to St. James, and then we went to St. Elizabeth Ann. and I graduated from St. James and went on to Roncalli High School. Oh, nice. Met my husband at UNO. Got married in uh, 91, and we have seven children. We have Paul, who is uh, currently a brother at Our Lady of Clear Creek Monastery. We have a daughter. Down
0: in Oklahoma. That's right. Have you been there? I have not been, but I've been close to a number of men who have uh, explored the the community. I've heard wonderful things.
1: Yes, he seems to like it. He's taking his first vows on September 8th. So he was all set to be an archdiocesan priest. And then he totally switched gears on us
0: and went wow. down there two years ago. Okay. Well, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah. He's happy. That's what we want. So praise God for that. And uh, we have a daughter, Claire, who is in heaven. She was still born at 37 weeks, mm-hmm. but I do feel like she played a big part in my faith formation. And we have twins. Uh, Lewis and Joseph. They're Lewis is married. Joseph is not. Noah is 23, trying to make his way into Nashville. So I'm praying a lot for him. Oh,
0: wow! Yeah. I won't share what I'm praying
1: because would be, <laughs> be a bad mom. But anyway, and then we oh. have Grace, uh, who we adopted from Guatemala. She's 18, and Zelly, who we adopted from Ethiopia, and she's turning 14 two months wow so my faith journey really is all it's all about my kids my husband our marriage and just how God through each child has just really grown my heart to serve just I think after losing Claire my heart was just so open to just Mm. pro-life and just how every life matters and it doesn't matter how long we carry our children God has such a great plan for them yeah Then when we moved to St. Robert's, I actually took a turn over to marry our queen and got involved with the ministry of mother sharing program. So that was in the fall of 1997. So we had Paul at home and the twins were just babies. And I was looking for something outside of the house. Yeah, something to nourish my soul. And I came into the ministry of mother sharing. And so for me, that was a huge moment. Um, because I just really started opening up my faith and and what it meant and started a relationship with Mary. I had never really looked to her for guidance before. But that group really showed me that she was most of all a mom. And so um, that was that was a great moment for me. So came back to St. Roberts and helped get mom started there and did that for a number of years. And Passed it off and started adopting kids and got busy. And then this lady in my driveway said, Hey, why don't you come pray down at the abortion mill with me Friday morning? And I thought, Wow, I can think about 10 other things I would really rather do. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that God, you know, invites us into a relationship with Him through other people. And so Julie was that person for me. And so we did that for. About three years, I think, and then and then everything with Miriam and Jose Manuel started, and then
0: yeah, you know,
1: all the fun really began after that, right?
0: Because yeah. Stacy, both of you, both of you were at kind of the ground floor as things began in Omaha.
1: That's right, right, right. that's yeah. right. It's a great story, yeah. Of how we met Miriam and Jose Manuel. Ballet. Julie, why don't you?
0: Yeah, Julie, tell us a little bit about your your story.
1: Yeah, Jim, I definitely, um, I recognize that faith is definitely a journey and God is always working with us every single day. So I grew up oldest of five children, pretty much Episcopalian light. And
0: so (laughs) that's great. I've never heard that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So not a lot of faith practiced in my family, but I definitely recognize that God was with me Mm -hmm. all the while. In my good choices, and also in my not-so-good choices as a teenager, as an early adult, I just always recognized that he was planting those seeds within me in his garden of my soul. So still being Episcopalian, Jim and I were married in 1981. When we got married, we decided we need to practice faith. Is it going to be Episcopalian, or is it going to be Catholic? Well, Jim comes from a long line of Catholics with hmm. priests in the family. And so we just had a Catholic, and I was completely fine with that. I lo- I you know, I felt at home in the Catholic Church.
0: That's awesome.
1: And so we went on. We had three children, but the Lord really was kind of working with me along the way. We always went to Sunday Mass, but we weren't totally practicing the Catholic faith. we We did a lot of the external things, so mm-hmm. we were, we went to Mass each Sunday. We were active in the parish. We were active in the kids' school. I was volunteering at the desk at Essential Pregnancy Services. Wow. And then I really felt God really starting to work with my heart, actually inside Mass. And I had such a yearning for the Eucharist. Mm.
2: Well, this would have been
1: about 1989. And then I ran into a couple of people who had been on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. And in the conversations, speaking with them, they really spoke to my heart. So that was October, 1988. And we really had no money. We had three young kids, but I really, I said, oh, Jim, if we could ever afford to go on vacation, that is where I would like to go. You never told me that the Blessed Mother speaks to people. And <laughs> so that was a revelation by the grace of God. And this is how God, God works. By May of 1989, we were on that trip.
0: Wow, like a year.
1: Not even a year later. And so I had an incredible experience there and feel like my life has forever changed. Coming back from there, just things that I was interested in, books, movies, Mm -hmm. television, friendships, those really changed and have still, Mm. it's the same today. You know, that conversion took root and held. And so- When we went to Medjugorje, we had three daughters, three years apart, and we were done having children. We were on to make money in construction. Okay? Yeah. You can almost hear the punchline coming. Yeah. And we were flying home, and I said, Jim, I have this incredible feeling that we are going to have a son. He's like, no. (laughs) So, four boys later. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. So, we have the three girls had our first son two and a half years later, second son, two and a half years later, third son, done again, four years later, fourth son. Yeah. And so honestly, I can say that that was the best gift I've ever been given. Our family, our big family is such a joy. Currently, all seven kiddos are married, and we're expecting our 16th grandchild in January.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: It's a crazy house, but it's good.
0: Yeah. Well, and... I love how, I mean, Stacey, you said it first, but how, as you talk about your stories, you really like, there's, there's a, a not accidental marking of time in the kind of birth and arrival of these children in your lives, whether it be right. unexpected for boys or adoptions, <laughs> but you talk about, yeah, I mean, just like you're marking time and God's blessing and your own deepening conversion very concurrent with the arrival of these these children. That's a pretty nice jumping off point to your work with Montefilius, because I think you all come with this conviction that children aren't just a gift, like, yeah, they're a gift, but we see in our own lives, children are a gift. Uh, and they change lives. So talk a little bit about what Materfilius is. Maybe start with a translation and just give us a little bit of the story.
1: Materphilius, Materfilius, Latin for mother and child, or more accurately, mother of the son, mm. Mary and Christ, was started in 2003 in Mexico City. And really, Materphilius was born from a death experience. Mm. So Miriam Her story is actually on our website and I just wouldn't do it justice Mm -hmm. to repeat that story, but it is available on our website. And to say that, that, uh, mother Phileas was born from a death experience is very accurate because it literally was born into her heart and she said, yes, and brought it to now the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for every, you know, sometimes it's through difficult circumstances, that great things happen. And she had this big surgery in Houston for myasthenia gravis, which is a neurological Mm -hmm. disease. Okay. So I believe the surgery went well, but I believe it was a drug interaction that happened later. And she died for four minutes and went before her judgment. Wow. And so growing up very wealthy in Mexico city, the Lord Mm -hmm. asked her, what do you bring? And so I feel it's just really important for our listeners to go ahead and listen to her story. It's on YouTube. It's also on our website. It's subtitled, um, but it's her words. And this is where Monopelius was born.
0: Well, wow. and we can link to that in the show notes. We can come back to um the my own story, because I was blessed to be able to meet Ma- Matrofilius down in Mexico City on a pilgrimage I, I i took I took there. but it's a really fun story how this beautiful i mean would you say it's a summary it's a it's a home sure. for pregnant women, how this beautiful apostolate home for pregnant women developing in Mexico City ends up in Omaha, Nebraska. Tell a little bit of that story because that was just like that's the little bit that I know is like, well, that's, that doesn't happen every day now, does it?
1: <laughs> right. That honestly is another God moment, Jim. Stacy and I, like Stacy said, we're sidewalk counseling at the abortion mill for a few years. We would be out there every week in the freezing cold, in the hot weather, flies, fleas, everything else down there. You always <laughs> run into something. It's a horrible place. God bless and- those sidewalk counselors yeah. that are there faithfully every day and every week. And our purpose there was to let women know as they were going into Carhartt's place that you're making a big decision. Is there anything, are there any resources that we can offer you to help you make a really great decision? We want you to know what's out there before you make this big decision. And so that was our goal there. But in standing there week after week, we really started to feel like, God was leading us in a different direction. And we would Mm. have that conversation. I feel like God's leading us someplace, but we didn't know where. Mm. Well, one morning I was on my way to a doctor appointment, just heading out the door, not early, (laughs) as I do. (laughs) And I got a, a phone call from Jim and a text from Father Magatowski saying, can you come over to Sancta Familia? As a sidewalk counselor, I think this is something that you would like to be, to hear, to be a part of. And I thought for some reason, you know, it was just a quick conversation, a quick text, a quick phone call, that maybe they had somebody who was abortion-minded there. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to go over and and just talk with them quickly before my doctor appointment. Well, what I actually, oh, to back up, so I'm driving over there, a segue from my doctor appointment. Who do I run run into at the stoplight? Right by Sancta Familia, Stacy.
0: Stacy, okay. And so, how yeah. many? Times and when you say run into, up. you didn't Not actually run into, like hit her. Yeah. So, want to wanna, you know, for those who are alarmed as I listen, yeah, okay.
1: exactly. So we pulled up to the stoplight exactly at the same time, which has never happened before. I rolled down the window and I said, "Hey, I'm heading over to Sancta Familia. We just pray for me. We are, We know the power of intercession when you're working with with this um, with abortion and with life." Yeah. And so, Stacy said, "Sure." But I actually walked into at Santa Familia, where Dr. Lloyd Pierre, of course, was there, my husband Jim, Father Magatowski, but there were a group of four people traveling from Mexico City. And so Miriam, Jose Manuel, Ramiro was traveling with them, who yeah, was Romero. first assistant to the first lady of Mexico. And then Craig Joring was with them also, who had a connection with Nebraska.
0: Yeah. And Craig has also been on the, the, the podcast. Yeah. Founder of hope of the poor.
1: And we know Craig well now at the time we didn't know any of those any, yep. yeah. from this group. And so I sat down and I started listening to their story, but I only had about 10 minutes. And so I apologize, excuse myself, but I said, I'm really interested in what you have to say. Can you come to my house tonight, five o'clock, so I called some friends, some of my pro-life people, Stacey, uh-huh. some people in my prayer group, and I said, hey, I think you're going to want to listen to this couple from Mexico City. And really, we heard their story kind of in Spanglish, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. because So it was kind of translated, kind of.
1: Right. But the one thing we did understand was the heart of the mission. Yeah. But, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit moment. We understood it. And really what modern Phileas is, is giving back to God the gifts that you've been given, which is the same thing that our Lord was asking of Miriam when he asked her, what do you bring?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And walking this journey with one family at a time each day.
0: Yeah. Remind me, this is, I think I know a little bit of the backstory. Uh, Miriam and crew down in Mexico City are like, as they're praying, as they're feeling like the Lord is leading them, they're... Feeling a call to Nebraska, and like, and they don't even know where Nebraska is. And they're like, you know, right? (laughs) I mean, they knew it was in the United States. Is like, is that somewhere in the middle? But it was, (laughs) you know, it's not like they're like feeling a call to Nebraska because they had Nebraska connections. The yeah, just a sense of calling to Nebraska is developing in them, uh, almost without an awareness of what could possibly be waiting for us in Nebraska.
1: Right. She yeah. had a she had a dream of the cornfields. She could see the corn and <laughs> the chamber and of they- commerce loves <laughs> it
0: when <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then she went to the holy family shrine
0: and she looked out and it was what she had seen in wow, the corn. Oh, that's great. So tell us a little bit about now we're in this beautiful cultural moment, particularly for those, you know, those of us who care about women and children in need, those who are vulnerable to abortion. Now, you know, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And although there's still lots of legal work to do in Nebraska, I think there's a growing awareness in people that like, oh, there's more work to do than just the political landscape. I think people, again, are, are waking up and realizing, gosh, but the change in the laws doesn't change the need in an individual woman's life. Uh, that's the the space that Materfilius is in. Can you talk a little bit about the young women that Materfilius serves, where they're at, how they come into the ministry?
1: So we have served women as young as 14
0: and wow. as old as 40. 14 to 40. 14 to
1: 40. And they come in at all different stages. They're in different places. And yet they're sort of the same because they all have something broken inside of them that needs God's healing. And we can throw as many resources at them as we can, but truly it's God that's going to do that healing. Mm. Like I said earlier to you, Jim, we have so many success stories about the girls that we have served, but for every girl that we feel like is a quote unquote success story, we probably have three or four other women that left the program Mm. earlier than we would have liked or gave up on it or, but what we learned pretty early on was just that we're not the end all be all matropelias. We're going to walk Mm -hmm. with them through their journey as much as we can, but God is going to put other people in their path as well as they, as they head out our door. So I don't know. They're just also different. And just as, as an example we had our first mom, so we were just laughing about this. So we opened in January, 2012, physically open 14th started, yeah.
0: in and it, and this is a home, right? A home that some remodeling work, I'm presuming, but it's it's a large home for how many women can stay at a time?
1: We we're supposed to be serving 10 women, so we initially started at the St. Anthony's convent. Mm-hmm. On 33rd and R Street. Thankfully, we knew a construction guy, Jim Minelli. Yeah.
0: So he and his boys- Julie's husband, if anybody is in the market for remodeling a house for pregnant women, yeah, no, right. Jim <laughs> does more than that. But okay, sorry, carry on. Free advertising. No,
1: no. So he he helped with all of that. He did all of that. And then in February of 2014, we had our first mom come in, and there were all these volunteers, and we were all ready to serve her, and we loved her so much that we loved her right out the door two weeks later, because it was just overwhelming for her. So she left. And then for about six weeks, we had no one. No phone calls, no knocking on the door. I mean, I think we really thought we were going to open our doors. And there were going to be all these young women who needed our help and, and would come in. And that's not what happened. But six weeks later, we were praying, praying, and the Archbishop came in and left the Blessed Sacrament in our home. We had this lovely dinner to to open everything officially. And on the same day, we had two women come into the house. Mm -hmm. And one was 32 years old, and she had four children, none that she had custody of at the time. Mm -hmm. And the other was a 17-year-old whose father dropped her off with her suitcase in the boyfriend's driveway and said, here you go. And he Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do. So he brought her to us and left. So we had these two women, two totally different stories. And yet they still had the same thing. And that was just Mm -hmm. just the wound on their heart. And I think, you know, to talk about a little bit about the structure of modern Thelius, I think the beautiful thing is our mission is defending life with love. And our goal is generational change so that the babies and the children at Materphilius don't have to endure some of the circumstances that their moms had to.
0: Wow. I love that. So you say like defending life with love and generational change. Correct. Wow. Yes. And yeah. we're very, say more we're about that, that. Very
1: seriously. And how that works is Materphilius is really all about modeling what family life looks like. And so at the top of the organizational chart are the executive directors. Now, that has to be a Catholic couple, husband, wife, practicing their faith. Mm -hmm. And then our directors fall underneath that. Of course, our board falls underneath that. Mm -hmm. But also our directors, our director of spirituality, director of dualists, director of administration, director of operations, director of volunteers, and on down. And then it's our volunteers underneath that and so how Modern works again giving back to god the gifts that we've been given we are primarily a volunteer organization mm-hmm. okay
0: that's helpful because as you laid it out it, it you know you listed off a number of titles it yeah. sounds like it might be very staffed by staff but in fact no you're you're really volu- very volunteer
1: very volunteer or, oriented. Now we've grown since our very first opening at Saint Anthony's. We're currently at the convent at Saints Peter and Paul, and we can talk about how we've grown even there. But our structure is: we currently have seventy-five volunteers and only nine paid staff, mm-hmm. nine paid employees. That would be our our house mothers, who we refer to as EMA. We've kept Mm -hmm. all of the terminology from Mexico. That's our model. That's our program. And it came from heaven. That's what we love. We kept the terminology. And then our director of administration is paid. Our early childhood learning center staff is paid. And then we have a therapist that comes in once a week for individual and group therapy. And that's a paid position. Every director, every volunteer, whether you work full-time for Montrophilius, part-time, or a few hours a month, is a volunteer position. Mm-hmm. And you, you can just see the love and the heart that each person puts into walking this journey with our families.
0: Yeah. So ladies, talk a little bit about, you hinted, there's a couple of things you talked about, doulas. I'd love to explain what a doula is. And then you also mentioned the counseling, Ima's like, talk a little bit about some of the roles, like what they are and how they work together.
1: Okay, so Ima is what Jesus would have called he would refer to Mary as Ima. Right. If- well,
0: like it, it, anybody who's been watching The the Chosen. Chosen. Yeah. You hear it like Ima. Like, so that's that's awesome.
1: And so that title for Our House Mom at Philias has been in place since 2003, long before The Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we hold that title very dear because it yeah. is a woman in the house that models how to be a mom. And yeah. she models how to be a mom to the women that we serve and how and the and the families that we serve. So Matrophilius is a safe place mm-hmm. for not only the women that join us mm-hmm. and that we receive, but every single child that walks through our doors as well. And so she models what good parenting looks like. Yeah. And how to have an ordered home. But it has to be done with a lot of joy and a lot of laughter because. Yeah. We kind of follow what our moms lead us to do because we trust that they have our backs, right? Right. That they have our best interests at heart. And that's our ema in the house. And if I could just add one little quip for how God is working with Matrophilia since the very, very beginning, he gives us every single thing we want. And if he doesn't give it to us, we don't need it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's it's great. It's
1: always like waking up on Christmas morning and getting everything you wanted at Montefiore. I wish I could tell you the millions of stories. We, we pray and it's there. It just happens. And we need an Ema. Our Ema was retiring and we needed another one. That's not an easy position to fill. And we started praying that God would send us an Ema of his own heart. Mm. And a year, a little over a year ago, Kimberly came to us and she exudes. Joy, she is an artist. She brings that art component in, mm-hmm. but she also has a way to run a home like a good mom does. Mm-hmm. So there are rules, yeah, and there are guidelines, and there are there is a schedule, and so with Joy, she facilitates how the house runs. And if Mom's happy, everybody's happy. And Kimberly is certainly a joy at montrophilius.
0: That's awesome. Now, Kimberly, for example, as as an Emma, she lives in the house.
1: She does not. So we have two EMAs currently. Okay. Kimberly is with us eight to four, Monday through Friday. Okay. We have volunteers Monday through Friday that come in four to eight. We have volunteers 12 to four and four to eight on Sunday so that our EMAs can have a, you know, a break and time off. Yeah. A time off. off. And then we have an overnight EMA and how okay. that's for us for the last three years is we have an overnight EMA who was, a Matisse with us in the beginning. And I'll explain that terminology in just a second. Sure, yeah, so, Matisse is one of the women that we serve who comes to us pregnant and right okay. in our lives. And so for the last three years, for a little, a year, or a little over a year, we've had three different EMAs that are overnight. And so they live in the house with their baby and they okay. have full-time jobs during the day outside of Montrophilia. So their responsibility is to be there overnight They've already been through the program. They know what that's all about. And they Mm. can really guide that and guide our moms who come in, especially those moms when they come in, they're scared, not quite sure what to expect. They can really make them feel at ease and have peace. Yeah,
0: well, they can speak to it. I've been been there. Right. And so
1: Matisse, our moms that come in, again, this is Mexico City, and this is Miriam's model. Mm -hmm. Our moms are referred to as Matisse, and it's a derivative of the name Matthew, meaning gift of God. And so when our moms come in, they know all of this terminology. We're explaining those things to them. And we explain to them that their baby is certainly a gift from God. But what they don't always hear is that they are that same gift from God. Unrepeatable. And sometimes that brings them to tears just to hear that they actually are a gift from God.
0: Yeah. Wow. So there's this kind of breaking open the genius for people. There's this stable presence of. Mothers, right? Emas, they're there again, Monday through Friday, eight to four, and then there's an overnight. But there's these mothers who are there and who are very intentionally modeling motherhood. Talk about, like, I mean, it almost like the word "program" doesn't do justice to it because, I mean, they're just they're just there. It's even beyond maybe what we would often call accompaniment. I mean, you're just they're really sharing their life.
1: I think the word is present. And constant.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastically present.
1: Right,
0: yeah. So actually talk a little bit about the doula because I think I, what I, I love, maybe background, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but women come pregnant and they are very well pre- prepared for during their pregnancy to give birth, but then they're, they're helped in being mothers after they've delivered their child. First, maybe talk about the doula role. What is a doula?
1: So doulas are volunteers. It's really a very important job. We often ask our volunteers to help out in other areas before they become a doula,
0: mm-hmm. just so that they can see how it works. And what is it, Stacey, what does the term mean? What is doula? I would oh, say,
1: Jim, yes. that it is It is not traditionally the doula that would be right. in a delivery room with our yeah, moms when okay. they deliver. So it is a Catholic woman, because we are a Catholic apostolate created to serve moms in crisis pregnancy. That's you know that's who we are. Mm -hmm. And so what the the doula is a mentor, an advocate for her while she's at Montefilia. She's her champion, kind of her cheerleader. They meet once a week in the chapel, and remember we have the Blessed Sacrament in our chapel,
0: which is an amazing gift, I'm sure.
1: A beautiful source of healing um, happens within those walls. So, right. So Adula walks with the young woman or the mom throughout her journey. And oftentimes even beyond her time at Montefilius. So they meet once a week and they talk about things that's on the mom's heart. So what's bothering her? How's it going in the house? And then they start looking once they get comfortable with each other, what are the bigger goals? Mm -hmm. So what does she, what does the mom want to do? Does she want to work? Does she want to go to school? Oftentimes we find these girls, they don't know what they want because nobody's really asked them yeah. what they want. Oh, you mean I've been have
0: buried, I'm sure, for years.
1: Yeah, I have a choice in this. And so the doula, her role is so important because she is really touching down on those issues with this girl, making her look ahead in life at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And loving to be a mom and just all of that. So it's not being in the labor and delivery with her. And so then as the mom, once that baby is eight months old, we expect her to be ready to move out and be independent, whatever that looks like. And so the doula will walk with her up to that point, make sure she is ready to go. Mm -hmm. And we know a doula has struck gold. When Mm -hmm. she starts defending that Matisse against, we have what we call a fault system in the house. So if a girl breaks a rule, she gets a fault. And then the doula, her job is to sit down with the girl and go over, how did you get the fault? You know, what are you going to do different? And we know that when our doulas are really advocating for her mom, that she doesn't deserve that or
0: blah, 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 We know that they have really bonded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, like yeah, they're, they've become mama bear. And they're like, don't, yeah, don't mess with my Matisse. That's right. That's oh,
1: right. That's, oh, that's, oh, that's it's, awesome. It's a great role. And it's really important in the house.
0: The layers of richness and kind of like everything that's going on here, a little bit overwhelming. We could do three podcasts uh, <laughs> on this. How do you train the doulas for that type of accompaniment? So we have the doulas
1: be volunteers in other areas. So maybe they're helping okay. in our boutique for a while, which is a store that we have for the moms to shop for themselves and the babies. So maybe now that's a absurd. word
0: I. That's a word I know. I knew the word boutique. So you knew that. Okay. I never shopped there. I'm just saying I know the word. Okay, keep going. Blue. It's blue. B L U T. Building lives. Up. Oh, boutique. Okay. Nope. Never mind. I didn't know. <laughs>
1: So and our doulas also, you know, maybe they're there on a Sunday shift from one to four. So they're interacting with the moms, but they're sure. not really needing to. So that's how we train them is they're observing for a while. And then it's praying. Just start praying for who you might be a doula for. So months before they ever get a mom in there, they're already praying for someone.
0: Yeah. And you've had a chance to watch their interactions. And I'm just presuming that there's some gentle coaching in the other volunteer roles that they're in, helping prepare them for that type of interaction.
1: Well, and Jim, you know, I, I think we can say this for all of our volunteers. So our volunteers really come to us, I, I think, through the Holy Spirit. Whatever circumstances are going on in their lives, all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you know, they're looking for something different. Maybe their children are graduating and those, or they're, you know, they've served on boards. They want something different. Mm-hmm. And through sometimes word of mouth, we'll get phone calls from a lot of volunteers. And so they come in, like Stacey said, they're observing in the house or doing those things. And then for all of our volunteers, we have volunteer training. And then separately, we have doula training. And then once a year in October, we have what we call a commitment mass. Mm. So they've been through training, they've been in the house, they know the rules, they know the guidelines, they know the expectations, and they really have the mission at heart. And they're ready to say, you know what? I think I really want to be a part of this. And so this is a beautiful mass we have at the Holy Family Shrine. We have a dinner afterwards, but the content of the mass is your listeners can't see it, but Stacy and I both have our tilmas on. Mm-hmm. And this is another verbiage from our model in Mexico City. It is a tilma like a scapular. Mm-hmm. And so Whenever we are in the house interacting with any of the families that we serve, we always have our toma on because it is a blessed garment like a scapular. It is blessed in our commitment mask and presented with our name on it.
0: Okay. Yeah, and it's a beautiful, for those who can't see, it's a beautiful light blue garment shirt. I can't see how, long, how, how low it goes. Kind of an, it's apron. an apron. Okay. Like an apron. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so it's a blessed garment and it really does remind us when we are in the house, we are there serving. And you can tell a difference when you walk in and put your tilma on, as opposed to not putting your tilma on, you might say something, you know, differently than you would when you have your tilma on. So Mm. it's very important. And so in our commitment mass, our new volunteers and our past volunteers present a rose to the sweet love of Mary. Mm. And the sweet love of Mary is our image of Mary for Montrophilius particularly, And if you're in the house, you'll see images of her in the statues and also in the framed picture on the wall. And you'll see three drops of blood on the Eucharist on her chest. Mm. And so those three drops of blood are our mission in Montephelius to pray for an end to abortion, an end to suicide, and an end to euthanasia, so that we are respecting life from the very, very beginning of conception until natural death. And so we're just grazing the surface of what Montrophilius and the depth of what Montrophilius really yeah. is. And so our, our volunteers, our doulas, our directors, we're all committing to another year of service at Montrophilius. And so we have volunteers yeah. who have been with us since the very beginning, 10 years ago, yeah. and eight years ago since we physically opened. It's not unusual for us to have the same Monday night volunteer from four to eight for years.
0: Yeah. But there's this annual commitment,
1: and it's really families serving families. And so, yeah. husbands and wives are involved. Our kids are involved. Many of our volunteers' kids are involved in one capacity or another. Maybe they're involved in their, you know, doing a high school drive for Madre But it's just, it's really families walking aside other families in our community to change the scope of what our community really looks like wow. in a positive, wonderful way.
0: If you can, tell us a story about, you know, one of the women kind of beginning to end, knowing that, right, the stories are, I'm sure, ongoing and continuing to unfold and grow. But tell us a couple of stories.
1: I think um, I'm going to let Stacey talk about it. But I just want to say we received a picture this morning of two of our five-year-olds that came to us when they were two Mm. different families both 2-year-olds were removed from their mother's care because of addiction. Mm. These two little girls are sitting in the same class at one of our Catholic schools that we scholarship them
0: for yeah.
1: another layer of matrifilius. Yeah. But I want Stacy to tell their stories. And then well, it
0: they- talk about because there is a commitment not just to provide for this woman and child during the pregnancy and immediately following you make a commitment to be with them for quite some time. Can you just briefly share about that and then like dive into the story? Cause I think you just hinted at it. Okay.
1: So we had a mom and I'm just going to call her Haley. Sure. Haley came in four years ago. She came in four years ago, last November, and she was very pregnant and her two older children were in, her mom's custody because she was a drug addict had served some time in jail. And so she knew that unless she straightened up, she was going to lose her third baby too, that Mm -hmm. her mom would take, take care of her as well. So she came in November and she sat in the office and she said, I need to go to AA so many times at night. I need this, I need that. And I just looked at her. I thought, I don't know how we're going to do this because you can't go out at night you can't do this. And she started crying. And I thought, never mind, we're gonna work it out. It's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So sweet. So she had her baby two weeks later, was able to bring her baby home to Matrophilius. And now her girls start coming for visits with the mom. So slowly mm-hmm. the mom is coming and the girls are integrating into life at Matrophilius with short visits. As soon as she's passed her postpartum, she
0: gets involved at Heart Ministries, and that is in North Omaha. Yeah, near Sacred Heart Parish in North Omaha. Yeah, beautiful ministry in itself.
1: Beautiful ministry that they have. And so she starts volunteering there because it's a program. You volunteer for 12 weeks, and then they help you get a job. They help you with this. So it's a great partnership. And she was our first mom that was really into the partnership and did well, so well that they offered her a job when her volunteering was over. So she got a full time job there. She got reunited with her daughters inside of in July. So they all moved in. So we moved them into a bigger room to hold all of them. And the middle child then came into our early childhood learning center. So that's another piece of Matrophilia. is when the babies turn six weeks old, they enter into our early childhood learning center. It doesn't cost the moms anything. There's no exchange of money, but the moms are able to bring them to this loving, warm, safe environment while they're off working or going to school. Mm -hmm. So we bent the rules again a little bit, and we allowed (laughs) Haley's second child to come into our early childhood learning center. Well, this poor little thing, her life has just been uprooted again, and she's in a new environment. There's a lot of people around, and our director at the time just loved this little girl so much, just loved her through her anger, mm-hmm. and she's the one we got the picture of. And this little gal just went through brain, um, brain tumor yeah, surgery. Yeah, she just had brain surgery done. And so Stacy was there the for room. that.
0: The little girl did.
1: I think I want to back up just a little bit and interject one thing, because I think it's important to recognize Haley came to us as an addict and pregnant. Yeah. No children in her care. She had her baby with us pretty quickly. She's working through those first few months of addiction, and she's starting on reunification with her other children. She's postpartum. She's hormonal. And all of a sudden, she goes from zero children fighting addiction to mother of three. Yeah. I mean, working full time working which she hadn't time. done. So it got a little rough there, Jim. We're not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. After the kids moved in and she was working, we were all, okay, it's probably time for you to transition out, <laughs> you and your children. And she was she was ready to transition out too. But here's the beauty of it. They can stay with us until the baby is 8 months old. Yeah. But sometimes they don't need eight months. Sure. And sometimes yeah. they might need a month.
0: They're able to, but it may, yeah, individual circumstances make sense. Mm-hmm. That's earlier. right. Yeah.
1: So with this mom, she got a car through Chariots mm-hmm. for Hope. Chariots for Hope. She had her full-time job. She got her apartment and she moved out and we all said, goodbye, Haley. Thanks so much. Thanks so much love to see you, but she was ready to go. And we were ready for her to go because that was just a lot. It's just the reality of it. She had a lot going on, but her children were still coming to our early childhood learning center. So we're still seeing her on a daily basis. And the beautiful thing is once she moved out and she got on her own, I think the real growth started Mm. and pretty soon she's coming back and she's saying, thank you. And she's volunteering to speak on Montefilius' behalf at a church. Mm. She's going to write, yes, please put me in the newsletter. I'm happy to be interviewed for this. She's so grateful. And so she has taken mm. some of our other moms under her wing when they too are volunteering at Heart Ministry. She would give them rides over there for us if we needed it. She's just, I, I can't tell you how proud we are of her. Yes, mm. baptized her children. All three of them. All three of them while while she was with us. And, you know, she's just made great strides. But, like we talked about earlier, Jim, life is a journey. Yeah. And we meet our moms where they are when they're with us. But we continue to walk that journey with them, even sometimes long after they transition out. And it's beautiful to be able to see the growth, but it's not a quick road, it's not a quick path. But I will tell you, we were invited to testify before the judicial committee down in Lincoln for LB 933. And who was with me testifying on behalf of what can we offer our moms? How can we walk with our moms in need? It was Haley.
0: Wow. We're almost out of time here. I feel like we've not even really begun to scratch the surface. If there was something that you want, you know, because everybody, I mean, there's a very particular Apostolate and calling for you know those who are serving within Matrophilius. and I'll give you a chance to to provide you know a website so people who want to get connected, who are feeling that tug as they listen, so so people can get connected. What do you feel like? again, part of my eagerness for this conversation was I see a gift and a modeling of accompaniment in Matrophilius that, boy, whether it be in this case, you know, young pregnant women, but but really, so much of of all of our kind of societal ills and ministries in the church, you're modeling what it means to just walk with people, to be present in their lives to to accompany them. What would you say if you had to just kind of speak a little bit about the secret sauce and maybe what's actually not so secret what what could be transferable to others who are listening? What would it be what what's the What's the genius, the secret sauce of Matrophilius?
1: Prayer. Prayer is the secret sauce of Matrophilius. It is. And and we really ask that of everybody who's involved with Matrophilius. We want you to really be practicing the sacraments in your faith. We want you really to know your faith. We want you to walk with these families side by side and be strong in that faith. But we don't arrive there. So what we often say in Matophilius is, you know, we're here serving all of our families that we serve, but you cannot outgive God. He is walking this journey with us the same way that we are walking the journey with our families. And we are growing spiritually. We're growing in our faith along the way. And so we have this wonderful group of people and we really work on team. Mm-hmm. So, we meet as a team every week. We formulate a path for our moms. We have so many layers of what we actually do at Montrefilius that we haven't even touched on. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I could rattle I can them feel out, it, you know, our moms come into us, and the first thing we do is we ask them Do you have a social security card? Do you have a birth certificate? Do you have a driver's license? Are your license plates on your car current if you have a car? Do you have insurance? Many times our moms come to us and their documentation has been stolen from them or mm. taken by somebody who is, has been violent with them. And they're entering this home and there's order and there's routine and healthy home cooked meals by them. They're that assigned that dual in the first two weeks. They come in. They may not have much of anything. They get a welcome package from the boutique. We pretty quickly with them formulate a path forward. And so we have two yeah. directors that meet with them every week and, you know, talk with them about what are your hopes, what are your dreams? What do you want to do? What are your goals? How are you going to provide as a parent? And so they meet weekly to make sure our moms are always moving forward in Montrophilius. We're a working program. And so Monday through Friday, we say workday weekday. We're always moving forward. We have our moms forego government services while they're with us because they're getting everything from Montrophilius. They are coming in homeless on every government service and it's not working. And so let's look at a different way, maybe wow. education, maybe it's therapy, maybe it's, it could be a myriad of things. And so we work with them on that. We have mandatory workshops um, in our house. We have parenting, circle of security, theology of the body, spirituality. We have Spanish and English courses in bright courses. We get them assistance with all of their appointments, getting <clears throat> them there, making sure they get there. We offer a path to GED, CNA, or higher education, and we partner with other organizations in Omaha for scholarships for them. We offer Monday through Friday an early childhood learning center, so their babies are taken care of in a safe environment. We have a great group of guys that provided us with a transportation fund. We've given away six vehicles ourselves in the last two years. Wow. We help with safe housing after they move out. We have a bi-monthly graduate breakfast where they come after they've graduated out of Mater Filius. They get to see other people who have graduated out. They get to shop at the boutique. We provide childcare that morning so they can visit as moms. We provide tuition scholarships for our kids who choose a Catholic school and pay for half of their tuition in kindergarten through second grade currently. And then we partner with so many other community services, you know, like Least of My Brethren help them get housing, in Juan Diego for immigration, and St. Matthew's Pantry, Christ Child, Knights of Columbus, Heart Ministry, Children's Scholarship Fund through the Archdiocese, Assure Women's Center, EPS, Essential Pregnancy Services. Uh, We work with Creighton GED Program. We work with Healthy Families, Salvation Army. Dr. Nick Steinauer takes many of our moms, and we work with the Heroes Program at the Stevens Center. And so we're so grateful for all of these areas because our one. Piece I mean, it's of- a
0: village. It is more than a village. It's a small right. city yeah. <laughs> that is coming alongside yes. these women. I lo- I love that you said that. Prayer and team. I can see it as you tell the story. Two things really stood up. One, I mean, the enormous sense of teamwork within the house and then in the larger community being coordinated and leveraged for the support of these these women and children. But I loved earlier when you talked about prayer, you said like well, you know, we always get what we want when we pray and I'm like it's probably cuz you ask when you pray. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean that's the part that like most of us like yeah, I don't get what I want cuz I don't ask. <laughs> oh gosh. Ladies, I yeah, I love this. Thank you. Thank you can I, for.
1: Can I share just one more real quick story? Too? Like just I realize adult. I've got my own
0: story that I wanted to share, too, but go ahead.
1: Well, we had um, a young mom come in about eight years ago. She's from rural Nebraska, 17 years old, junior year of high school. We didn't know what to do with her. We were new. We were We were pretty <laughs> new. So we put her through a CNA program mm. towards the end of her junior year, just because honestly, we didn't know what else to do with her to keep her busy. Nursing,
0: right. Certified nursing. Right. Assistant. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's a month long program through Clarkson. And she graduated from that. And she said, you know, I really enjoy that. I think I want to be a nurse. And we said, okay, let's, let's see what's out there. So we did a, a drive through the college of St. Mary and started talking about their great program where the moms can live on campus with their babies while they mm-hmm. go to college. So that was the summer. She had her baby in September. She graduated from high school in December, worked full time from January until the following August, and she entered the College of St. Mary. Four years later, she earned her degree in nursing. Mm. She got her RN degree. Wow. But there were a lot of people that yes, helped. And- Oh, it was a BSN. And there were so many people that helped her get to that point. But the crazy thing is about two months ago, one of our moms at Matrophilius had her baby in the ER and who helped her, but this young gal who's now 24 years old
2: was the nurse. nurse.
1: And she said, did you say Matrophilius? I used to live at Matrophilius. And I just love that story because- it's just God showing us you're doing, you know, you're on the right path, keep going and lives will be touched. Right.
0: You know, I think that's, I'm reminded, it's like, yeah, you really are changing lives. I remember, you know, before we, before we talked, we're like, Oh gosh, it's hard to, it's hard to encapsulate like what's happening and how powerful it is. I When I first visited in Mexico city, I remember I I was just, I was overwhelmed by just a very silly anecdote, but, you know, these women, many of them, some had come off the streets, again, addictions, other, you know, very difficult circumstances, they're there, they're clearly a family, they were gathered together, I remember they're watching TV together on the couch, and they were all cuddled up, and I remember what struck me was they were not watching a Mexican sitcom, (laughs) <laughs> uh, or, or soap opera, they were watching a cooking show together. <laughs> and I was thinking, it's like, I don't think these girls were into cooking before they lived here. But there was just this beautiful, I mean, it was just, it's a silly anecdote, but it was so powerful about the trans transformation, even the choice of how they spent their free time together, their leisure, what they wanted to watch on TV had been transformed by this little family uh, that they had become it was really it was really powerful,
1: well, to add to that, jim, I think I think when we have people tour Matropelius, and you and I were kind of talking about this earlier, it's hard to talk about Matrapelius and really be able to send the message of what it really feels like to be in a Matrapelius home. But many, many, many times we have people come through and say, the peace you feel here is tangible. Yeah. And I know our founders, Miriam and Jose Manuel, in talking with Jose Manuel, he was saying, our hope is for mater felius throughout the world just to become little cells of goodness in our world today.
0: Mm. Well, I think that's being realized. Yeah. Ladies, how if people want to find out more, how do they find you?
1: So you can go to our website, mater Filius, M-A-T-E-R-F-I-L-I-U-S-N-E for Nebraska.org. You can also call our uh, phone number, 402-933-3466. And we have six directors that rotate through on a weekly basis, taking the phones. They're all very qualified to answer any questions you have. Any way that you'd like to become involved, maybe the Lord is touching your heart to be an active volunteer at Montrophilius. Maybe you want to do a drive through your church or your children's school. Any of those questions can be answered in either of those ways. And check out Marian and Jose Manuel's story on our website. It's a beautiful story. And it's touched many hearts, in fact, so many yeah. hearts that Jim and I retired as Nebraska directors this past year, and Ann and Steve Brainer have come on as the new executive directors for Nebraska, and Jim and I are national directors, Stacy and I are on a team for national, and we have um, our home in Dallas, we have Miami, we have Cincinnati, we have Nebraska, of course, we have a brand new big home um, going in at St. Gabriel's in Colorado Springs. Yeah. And so we're continuing to grow and we just ask for your prayers and just, yeah, just always keep us in prayer. That's a big component. We need intercessors a lot.
0: Thank you. I don't, we don't do this very often. In fact, I'm trying to recall. I don't think we've ended many of the podcasts in prayer, but if you don't mind, uh, can I close this in prayer?
1: Yes, please, please do.
0: Uh, Jesus. Thank you. This is just a little slice of heaven. Um, I thank you for the goodness and the beauty uh, of these, yeah, you know, little little cells of of goodness, uh, in the Matrophilius homes and all of the the surrounding support, the schools, the cars, the all of the all of the support coming around these women and these children. I thank you for the uh, gift of unity of so many gifts coming together in service. I ask that you would bless and reward. Uh, Stacy and Julie and all those who uh, are serving uh, within the Montrophilius organization. Lord, for the women, um, the young moms and their children, Jesus, we just ask that you would uh, continue to teach us again as a church what it is to embody your love. Uh, And I thank you and I praise you for the beautiful witness of this uh, community in Montrophilius. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Jim. That was beautiful. Thank you.
0: Thank you, ladies. Thanks for what you're doing. All right. So for those of you who are listening, who, if you made it all the way, because, man, we could not stop because there were so many cool stories, uh, share this with a friend. You know someone who needs this hope, someone who needs to be reminded about the power of teamwork, the power of prayer, the power of just being present in the lives of those who are in need. So Uh, Share this out with someone uh, who could use this, this encouragement. Again, thank you, ladies. Thank
1: you, Jim. We appreciate it. God bless you.